ago, while attending a national church conference in Memphis, I found myself late one afternoon in February, standing outside of a now very famous hotel, looking up at a balcony. For the first time ever, I went to see the Lorraine Motel, and specifically to stand on the street and look up to see the still turquoise-painted colored door with the room number 306. I stood in silence and tried to imagine what it must have been like on April 4, 1968, when then 39-year-old Martin Luther King Jr. was shot on the balcony of that motel. The motel has been preserved, and you can stand right there in between the balcony where MLK Jr. stood and the boarding house where James Earl Ray fired that fatal shot and feel a kind of eerie connection to what has become a pivotal point in our collective narrative and a very important moment in our history. Tomorrow, this country recognizes Martin Luther King Jr. Day as a federal holiday. And while the church has him on our liturgical calendar for a feast day on April 4th to commemorate the tragedy of his assassination, our bishop has encouraged parishes in our diocese to anticipate the feast day in hopes that tomorrow may be more meaningful after having some time reflecting on his life together today. So as I thought about today, I knew I wanted to find a way to share with you some of the power I felt standing there in Memphis on the curb in front of that motel, to try to remind you, as I have been reminded all week, and especially after the week we have just had, that no matter what the question, the answer is love. Like his father, Martin Luther King Jr. was a powerful, powerful preacher. He knew how to engage and inspire a revolution grounded in love and nonviolence. So rather than try to emulate or summarize his beautiful words, I want to gift us some of his legacy through his own words. I have created an excerpt from a much, much longer sermon. Did I mention that he was a Baptist preacher? A sermon that he preached on November 17, 1957, at the Dexter Avenue Baptist Church in Montgomery, where he served for five years as the associate with his father as the senior pastor. Listen to these words and hear the strength and the passion and the courage and the clarity and the conviction and faithfulness of a man who knew as Jesus did that love 
is truly the only way. One small footnote. Early on, you will hear me, through his words, reference the fifth chapter of the Gospel of Matthew. And I know you all heard that we just read from the sixth chapter of Luke. These two passages in Scripture are what we call parallel passages, with some different, unique qualifiers in the passage. What we heard today was what he is preaching on all those years ago. In short, love your enemies. This morning, I want to turn your attention to this subject, my brothers, loving your enemies. It is so basic to me because it is part of my basic philosophical and theological orientation. The whole idea of love, the whole philosophy of love. In the fifth chapter of the Gospel, as recorded by St. Matthew, we read these very arresting words flowing from the lips of our Lord and Master. Ye have heard it has been said, Thou shalt love your neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them that despitefully use you, that ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. Certainly these are great words, words lifted to the cosmic proportions. And over the centuries, persons have argued that this is an extremely difficult commandment. Some would go so far as to say that it just isn't possible to move out into the actual practice of this glorious text. They would go on to say that it is just additional proof that Jesus was an impractical idealist who never quite came down to earth. But far from being impractical idealists, Jesus has become the practical realist. The words of his text glitter in our eyes with a new urgency. Far from being the pious injunction of a utopian dreamer, this command is an absolute necessity for the survival of civilization. Yes, my brothers, it is love that will save our world and our civilization. Love even for our enemies. We have the Christian and moral responsibility to seek to discover the meaning of these words and to discover how we can live out this commandment and why we should live by this commandment. Each of us is something of a schizophrenic personality. We're split up and divided against our very selves. There is something within each of us that causes us to cry out with the Apostle Paul, I see and approve the better things of life, but the evil things I do. That within the best of us, there is some evil. And within the worst of us, there is some good. When we finally come to see this, we take a different attitude towards individuals. The person who hates you the most has some good in him. Even the nation that hates you the most has some good in it. Even the race that hates you the most has some good in it. And when you come to the point that you look in the face of every person and see deep down within them what religion calls the image of God, you begin to love him or her no matter what they do. 
you see God's image there. There is an element of goodness that any person can never slough off. Discover the element of good in your enemy. It is significant that Jesus does not say, like your enemy. Like is a sentimental something, an affectionate something. There are a lot of people that I find it difficult to like. But Jesus says, love them. And love is greater than like. Love is understanding, redemptive goodwill for all, so that you love everybody because Jesus loved them. I think I mentioned before that some time ago, my brother and I were driving one evening to Chattanooga, Tennessee from Atlanta. He was driving the car. And for some reason, the drivers were very discourteous that night. They didn't dim their lights. Hardly any driver that passed by dimmed their lights. And I remember my brother very vividly, A.D., looked out over and in a tone of anger said to me, I know what I'm going to do. The next car that comes along here and refuses to dim the lights, I'm going to fail to dim mine and then, and then pour out all the power. I looked at him right quick and I said, oh, no, 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 you don't. There'd be too much light on this highway and it will end up in mutual destruction for all. Somebody got to have sense on this highway. Somebody must have sense enough to dim the lights and that is the trouble, isn't it? That while all of civilizations of the world move up on the highway of history, all but about seven, have found themselves in the junk heap of destruction. And it is because civilizations fail to have sense enough to dim the lights. Anybody doesn't have sense enough to turn on the dim and beautiful and powerful lights of love in this world, the whole of civilization will be plunged into the abyss of destruction. And we will all end up destroyed because nobody had any sense on the highway of history. We must discover the power of love, the power, the redemptive power of love. And when we discover that, we will be able to make of this old world a new world. Love is the only way. Jesus discovered that. Jesus taught us that. This is the only way. And in our civilization, we must discover that. So this morning, as I look into your eyes, <clears throat> into the eyes of all my brothers in Alabama and all over America and all over the world, I say to you from my heart, I love you. I would rather die than hate you. And I'm foolish enough to believe that through the power of this love, somewhere, Men of the most recalcitrant bent will be transformed, and then we will be in God's kingdom. Amen. Mm-hmm. It's all right, Marvin. Come on. Come on. It's all right. 1957. 2020. 
We got some love to do, don't we, people? Pray with me. Holy One, guide our feet as we run this race today, as you did with your beloved child, Martin Luther King Jr. Help us turn the other cheek when we are wronged and do so without bitterness. Inspire us to give to those in need without expectation and without resentment. Break open our hearts this day that we may learn how to love our neighbor and find the good in our enemies. Teach us and show us the way of holiness that we may be your holy people. Amen. May it be so.